In exactly three weeks, the athletes will report to St. Vincent College. And this is, this is something that just needs to like happen tomorrow, I think. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dayon Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Penguins and Pirates where you found this. It is three weeks from the reporting date, and it will happen at St. Vincent. All of that is so exciting, but it's also such a long time away. Who is it in the NFL world? at NFL headquarters, who decided forever ago that this month and month and a half, really, leading up to training camp should be such a wasteland, should be such a a void in our football existence. For anyone who doesn't know this, it's not an accident that there's virtually no visibility for the Steelers or any of the league's 32 teams or any news, or any signings, or anything at all to even really talk about, even as it relates to other teams, beyond, you know, something awful like Deshaun Watson, you know, that kind of thing. The reason for that is, and all professional sports have one of these, by the way, is that there's this kind of an unwritten rule, a general understanding That there's a certain period of time in which business will not be conducted. It's not mandated. It just won't happen. So if you're, let's say, an agent, an up-and-coming agent, a real eager beaver type, and you've got, I don't know, two or three special teams guys in a league, and you want to work extra hard for opportunities for them, you got nothing. you got nothing. You can call. No one's going to pick up. And the same goes pretty much in all directions. Now, that doesn't mean there isn't activity. Remember that these players, these coaches, and everybody involved have to show up on that date, exactly three weeks from now, fully prepared. Because the day after that date, on July 27, at 1.55 p.m., Mike Tomlin will have all 90 players out there on the grass on Chuck Knoll Field, stretching out and getting ready for drills in what's probably going to be some very hot and uncomfortable weather instantly, instantly. So they've got to keep working. They've got to keep training. In a lot of cases, that's done right here in Pittsburgh on the south side. And coaches, well, coaches, of course, never stop working. That's why they're coaches. So they're still in there. They're still in the offices, but even they take a week or so to get away from it, to clear their heads, to make sure they're completely ready for the grind that's to come. But in the interim, and no one's concerned about this at all, I'm going nuts. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you'd prefer to do that studying. Whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, maybe a flexible hybrid format would work best for you. Find out more about all of this at pointpark.edu. 
See, here's the thing. I want football. I'm not all that complicated. I cover all three of our teams in Pittsburgh, so I also have other things to distract me. I'm flying in a couple of days up to Montreal to cover the NHL draft. The Penguins have some major decisions to make regarding Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang. I've obviously got baseball season going on. The Pirates are a very strange team this summer with some genuine cause for excitement and a whole lot of genuine blah. But speaking for myself personally, I don't function very well when I don't have all three of them in some form. I really don't. And I am that eager beaver agent who wants to defy everyone else and start thinking right now about what it'll be like monitoring every little aspect of this quarterback battle that's to come. This is fascinating. We haven't had a quarterback battle of any kind, not a real one, in Pittsburgh in 20 years. 20 years. Really couldn't do any of that at OTAs or minicamp because every drill is the same. Every drill is pretty simple, and it's all just about basic execution. There wasn't one guy who looked any better than the rest. But in Latrobe, the very first time you see them line up in 7-on-7, seven 11-on-11, seven, 11 11, and Kenny Pickett completes a deep ball, and the 5,000 or so people in the bleachers are up on the grass hills at St. Vincent roar out in approval. We've got news. We've got something significant. And the moment that everyone else finds out about it, the whole Steelers nation is fussing over it, and rightly so. It's a really big deal, and it's going to be a lot of fun. How are these wide receivers going to come together? What if George Pickens literally and figuratively jumps out of the pack? What if that happens? What if Najee Harris and his brand new tree trunk legs look stronger and more rigid than ever and allow him to break even more tackles? What if this offensive line shows some signs, any signs of improvement of the tens of millions of dollars that were just invested into it paying off right away? What if Pat Fryermuth takes the next step? What if Devin Bush looks like an elite athlete again? There's one right there all by itself. How does that affect your thinking about where this defense could go? How about a defensive line that can run stop again? I'm pretty sure they'll be able to do that. They won't be the worst in the league. They might have the biggest room for improvement and achieve it. What kind of question marks are there related to the secondary? No one gets challenged in a training camp setting quite like the secondary. Because those deep balls that I mentioned earlier, when they get completed, someone's getting burned. Oh, and what about the best defensive player on the planet, with all due respect to Aaron Donald? Because T.J. Watt is that. That's not my opinion. That's the award that he was given. How about yet another year of that guy in his prime? And how about, just broadly here, all of those players back in the setting where they belong at St. Vincent, in front of people, not any more of this, you know, masks and empty yellow seats at Heinz Field and 
all the other weirdness that came with the pandemic. I want this to start like now, like right after I'm done with the J1Q segment. We'll be right back. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by our friends at Mike's Beer Bar. They're located directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. They are the one, the only, the premier destination in Pittsburgh for craft beer. More than 500 craft beers available, more than 350 of those local, and more than 80 of those on tap. Mike's can't be topped. Not for beer, not for the awesome kitchen and menu that's available, not for all the special events that are going on there. Check them out online at mikesbeerbar.com. Mike's Beer Bar, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. And today's J1Q comes from Daniel Hayes, who asks, what if Mitch Trubisky does well, like shocks everyone? Would he then be looked at? as the Steelers franchise quarterback. What happens to Kenny Pickett then if Mitch plays that well or even better? Would it be similar to Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love? You know, this is the other reason, Daniel, that I can't wait for real stuff and real information because most of this show has been, out of necessity, hypothetical. I probably did an entire week of hypothetical program last week on Daily Shot of Steelers. And it's fun. It can make you think. It can occasionally even be productive. In the case of your question, I do think it's something that the Steelers have to consider, at least as a possibility. They have to be open to it. I think that they are. I think they'd be crazy not to be. Your scenario here is that basically Mitch becomes what he was supposed to be. He doesn't necessarily overachieve because when you're a number two overall pick in the NFL draft, nothing less than being really, really good, if not a star, especially at his position, is the expectation. That is the bar. And that can't be left out of this equation. I mentioned it the day they acquired him that you had to be open-minded no matter what else happened along the way, additions, subtractions. There had to be a door available to management to say, hey, if this guy is all that, then he's actually going to be the one. Now, I'm not going to make that prediction, Uh, obviously. I don't think anyone would. While Mitch has been unfairly, I think, maligned for his time in Chicago, considering he was, you know, playing for the Bears, where all they do is chew up and spit up their own quarterbacks. It's something of a stretch to anticipate that someone is just going to suddenly find it in year six in the NFL. And yes, again, there's the Chicago exception, and there's also the fact that he was limited to being Josh Allen's backup in Buffalo for a year. But history, precedent, isn't on his side. You don't see a whole lot of stories like this in football. 
If you do, though, if you do, and I'll play along here, yes, you unequivocally stick by him. No team needs to nurture a franchise quarterback when they've already got one who's as young as Trubisky. So what happens with Pickett? What happens with Mason Rudolph? The best thing I can say, probably the most accurate thing I can say in terms of setting up that scenario is that you wouldn't have to do anything for a while. You just wouldn't. I believe there's a chance that the Steelers will trade Rudolph after the preseason should everyone get through it healthy, and that'd be more of a cap move if it's necessary. And maybe, maybe to get Pickett a more prominent or closer to the starter role even in practices. But as far as Pickett goes, I mean, you know, you just ride it out. You see how it goes. You never know. You always need two or three able, capable quarterbacks in the fold. So you have no rush to move somebody. I appreciate the question. I would appreciate football even more. We'll do another one of these tomorrow. <laughs>